0: Hi, welcome back to Pagan Preaching. I am your host, Ethne Ann, and happy Halloween or Samhain to those of you celebrating. The veil is thin, and I just love this time of year where I feel closest to my gods and lost loved ones, and I hope all of you have a safe and fun holiday and are able to make the most of the thinning of the veil. Um, why don't we go ahead and start with a breath? We haven't done that in a while, so Take a deep breath through your nose and feel your belly and your chest fill up with air. Breathe in worship and praise and peace. And once you're all full up of air, you can audibly release your breath from your mouth. If you're next to someone, they should be able to hear your exhale. While you're breathing out, let go of stress and tension and negativity and worry. Go ahead and set up your worship space if you are joining us in worship, or just get yourself in a comfortable position to allow this passive worship to wash over you. Just whatever you're most comfortable with. Uh, So you, the listeners, have spoken, and Anubis won the poll for our Halloween episode, just barely rising above hell, and I promise hell is coming very soon. But for today, we're talking about Anubis, or Anpu, as he was known to the ancient Egyptians. Um, in this episode, I will be using the Kemetic name, unless otherwise used in prayer, um, like I have been doing in most recent episodes. So Anpu's lineage is debated. He is either the son of Ra, Hesat, Bastet, or the illegitimate son of Nephthys and Osiris, and then adopted by Isis. And this kind of juicy myth of Nephthys and Osiris, Anubis is the son of Nephthys and Osiris, when Osiris was kind of tricked into this affair with Nephthys and this resulted in the conception of Anpu. And while pregnant, Nephthys began to fear Set's rage and revenge and convinced Isis and Osiris to raise Anpu like their own. But despite how he comes into the picture, he was and remains one of the most important figures in Kemeticism, which is a little ironic since he is present in very few myths. Anpu is the Egyptian or Kemetic god of the dead and embalming. He is known as the protector of recently deceased souls, guardian of cemeteries, and the judge of the dead. Uh, He was originally known as the king of the afterlife, but he was replaced by Osiris in that role sometime during the Middle Kingdom. And when Osiris came along, Anpu didn't cling to his role as king because... He was still able to assist in the guiding and transition process of the departed souls, so he was still helping the dead. He is often depicted as neutral, unbiased, stoic, and dutiful, and some argue that that is why he didn't fight for his position of king of the underworld, because he was still fulfilling his duty. In Kemeticism, Enpu is understood as a helper to the dead. He comes to collect their souls at the time of passing, and then he orchestrates the weighing of their hearts. For anyone that is unfamiliar, the hearts of the deceased are weighed on a scale against a feather that represents ma'at, the personification of truth, justice, and natural order. If the heart is heavier than the feather, the individual will experience a second death by being devoured by the goddess Ammit, who is depicted as having the rear of a hippopotamus, the fore of a lion, and the head of a crocodile. This devouring will cause the soul to cease to exist. But if the heart is lighter, Enpu will guide the soul to Osiris in the paradise-esque afterlife known as the Field of Reeds to rest or to be sent off into their next life, Kind of depends on which source you're reading. Anpu is known as the protector of embalmers. According to some myths, when Set killed Osiris, Anpu took Osiris's organs and then was tasked with mummifying his body. In this scenario, Anpu became the first embalmer in Kemetic history, and therefore embalming became one of, if not the most sacred practice in ancient Kemet. So to really understand Anpu, we need to dig into the ancient Kemetic understanding of the afterlife. According to Kemetasus, once a soul awoke in their tomb, you know, after passing, they were greeted by Anpu, who guided them into the sunset to start their afterlife journey toward the Hall of Truth. And the road to the Hall of Truth was filled with dangers, including serpents with long knives, fire-breathing dragons, and five-headed reptiles. Once the soul arrived in Duat, the land of the gods, they then had to pass through seven gates, reciting the proper spell at each. If the soul made it through the gates, they then had to arrive into the Hall of Truth, wherein their heart was weighed on a golden scale against the feather of Ma'at. Prior to the weighing, 42 gods would hear the soul testify that they had not committed any crimes against the gods or the social order, and once the soul had completed their statement, the heart was weighed. As I stated previously, if the heart was heavier than the feather, the soul would experience a second death by being eaten by Ammit, they would cease to exist, but if the heart was lighter, the soul would go on to the afterlife. The weighing of the heart was overseen by Anpu, and the results were then recorded by Tote. If the soul was deemed worthy to progress to the afterlife, Anpu would guide them to Osiris's realm in the field of reeds to live in peace and happiness for eternity. So now that we have a solid, but albeit condensed, understanding of Anpu, let's hear our first prayer. To Anubis. To Anubis, whose work is the care of the dead, I offer my praise. O God of the graveyard, great God of the tomb, preserver of Osiris, protector of Horus the child, bearer of the scale, counter of hearts, balancer against the feather of Maat, You lead us into the duat, the life after life in which we may dwell in peace and plenty, in which we may be reborn among those we have loved, our dearest ones, in whose steps we hope to follow, to whose arms we hope to return, O guardian and guide of souls, O foremost of the Western gods, Anubis who leads us into the necropolis, who carries us from world into world, Anubis who opens that sacred way, Anubis who is the Ancient of name and ancient of might, speaker of spells and granter of breath, I honor you. O friend of the departed, I thank you for your many gifts. So I see the message and lessons from Anpu coming in three parts. So let's start with the first, which is the importance of making hard choices. Since Anpu is no longer the undisputed king of the dead, his primary responsibility is to choose which souls will continue onto the field of reeds and which will be devoured and cease to exist. Now, not one of us will ever know a burden that great, but we do know great burdens. We are faced with choices in our everyday lives, but sometimes we face the big decisions that make us feel nerve-wracked, overwhelmed, and just generally small. This could be something regarding our work or school lives, like, did I choose the right major? What do I want to do with the rest of my life? Or should I finally leave this corporate hellscape and do what I love despite the risk? Or these choices could be much bigger emotionally and spiritually grueling decisions like, is it time that I finally cut off that family member for the sake of my mental health? Am I on the right path of paganism? Are these gods that I need to work with and worship, or am I being tugged in another direction? How do I cope with any accompanying feelings of guilt that will be the consequence of whatever choice I make? And my job isn't to sit here and pretend like I know the answers to those big questions, though I wish there were some magical thing I could say to take the burden from you. What my mission here today is, is to remind you of the grace offered to you by the gods. Anpu faces no small task when deciding if a soul quite literally deserves to exist or not. He approaches his choices with careful, strategic thinking and remains as unbiased and impartial as he can be. Now, will any of us ever achieve that level of neutrality? Probably not. Uh, And please understand, I don't say that to discount your critical thinking and analytical skill, but we have to understand that the human mind is finite and imperfect. We don't hold a candle to the minds of the gods. And that's okay, because the gods are gracious enough to provide us the guidance and insight that we need. So when we look down the barrel of choice, when we face no small task, we need to heed the wisdom of Anpu. We need to put aside our bias and our fear of guilt, our fear of how our actions will affect another's perspective of us, and try to remain neutral with our best interest at the focal point of our thinking, which is obviously much easier said than done. But by taking the Anpu approach, being stoic, steady, and confident in our own intellect and wisdom, we may find more peace in approaching those moments in life that are truly earth shattering for us. And furthermore, we can rest a little easier by knowing that we are never alone. We never have to face our fears on our own unless we want to. The gods, the spirits, the energies, and your own guides and ancestors are always walking with you. If you feel that you are at a point in your life where a major decision needs to be made... Call out for grace, call out for ANPU, and know that someone has your back and will either give you the tools you need or the wisdom to obtain those tools for yourself. And the next message that I would like to touch on with ANPU is the importance of a life well lived. Not just because you fear the weighing ceremony and Amamet, but because it's the right thing to do. I can't tell you what a life well lived means for you, but I think there are a few aspects of life that we can all agree on. First, we must try to not intentionally hurt others where it can be avoided. Nowhere in the history of time and space has there ever lived a person that didn't hurt anyone at all in their life. Hurting others is just a natural consequence of having a finite and imperfect mind, but accidents and miscommunications happen and that's okay. What we must strive to do in our lives is to mitigate our negative effects on others as much as possible. I understand that there are times in which others intentionally wrong us and we may need to take matters into our own hands for the sake of our own well-being. But the important thing is when you look back on your life, to know that you tried your best to be a person that others could count on to lift them up rather than tear them down. Second, we have to live in a way that is honest to who we are, and this can be manifested in obvious things such as sexual orientation and gender identity, but there's so many other more hidden and intimate aspects of ourselves. The key word during the weighing ceremony is virtue, and virtue is really subjective. It's up to us to continue to soul search throughout our lives, not just until we think we've come to some sort of enlightenment and then allow ourselves to be stagnant. And during that soul searching, we need to seek out what our virtues are. What are the convictions that you carry in your soul? What are the pillars of your identity that you live by? What tools and ideas will you use to leave the world better than you found it? These virtues will change as we grow and learn. But putting an effort to know your virtues and live by them and honor your truest self to the best of your ability is irrevocably important. And finally, in my laundry list of ways we can live a good life, um, as pagans, we must honor the old gods. Before the weighing ceremony, the soul must testify that they have never committed any crimes against the gods. And for those of you that practice Kemeticism and accept the Kemetic ideas of afterlife as truth, you must know that one cannot gain entry into the field of reeds by committing crimes against the gods. So how do we practice practical and sustainable piety? First, we need to take the time to build relationships with our gods. We must devote ourselves to the knowledge of them and then interact with them accordingly. We need to praise and honor the gods not because we want a favor in return, but because we love them and we want them to know our gratitude for everything they have given us already without being asked. Devotional acts are key to keeping the gods at the front of our minds and showing them that we honor them and their truths. For example, volunteering as a tutor or donating to schools and libraries would be a great devotional act to honor Tote. And similarly, cleaning up cemeteries and leaving offerings for their guardians would be perfect for Empu. Big or small, enacting the message of the gods through devotional acts is a prime way to live a pious life. And also, while we're on the topic of honoring the gods, we need to remember that the gods aren't our buddies. When we approach the gods, creators of ourselves and the universe we inhabit, there is a certain amount of reverence we need to uphold. Respect and honor are intrinsic to piety. And these are so few ways that we can reach for a light heart at the end of our days. I encourage you to take some time to honestly check in with yourself and the way you've lived and ask if it's a life you would be proud to offer up to the gods. For some, this is a painstaking, daunting process of growth and awakening, but I promise you that it's worth all the effort and discomfort and tears. While searching for applicable prayers to this part of my sermon, I kept finding this work by Nancy L. Wingert from the blog The Pagan Journey, and it's not directly associated with Anpu, but it is relevant to this message. It's called Mama's Words. Concentrate on what you want, not on how to get there. Never blame anything on anyone or anything outside of yourself for how you are. When you create and bring about a small part of what you want, go on to the next part that has to be done. In other words, you create your own reality. Like a cartoonist puts together a cartoon in the funny papers, keeping in mind that no one creates this reality like you do. Don't think of your reality as being anything less or more than what you have created. What comes easy to you or enjoyable is the way to go. We are all a part of all energy. The tree or flower doesn't contemplate how to become a flower or tree. They just see and know they are. The tree bends and sways with the wind. We flow with life. Nothing or anyone can make us less than what we are. As the cartoonist creates each frame, we also create each segment of our lives day by day. If you do not resist and you concentrate on what you can do, the way to do it is natural and easy. Do something you can do well every day. Gather your life from the inside out, not the outside in. Being out of work or unable to make a living has nothing to do with what you are. It's what you believe in. I believe that nothing is impossible and to presuppose that anything could interfere with that is conflicting core beliefs. So that, I guess, prose poem is what I would call it, pretty much sums up what I was getting at about how to live your life in the best version of virtue that you can. Uh, That said, there is just one last message I would like to convey to you from Anpu's role amongst the gods does carry some nice metaphorical aspects that we can all learn from, but we can't neglect the importance of his literal meaning. Anpu is a caretaker of the dead, which those of you who know me know that the dead and caring for the dead holds a prominent space in my heart. There are some who believe that there are things the dead cannot do for themselves, and I'm inclined to agree. The dead are still people, there are still things they don't know and things they need assistance with, which is where Anpu comes in. But we don't have to leave all the responsibility to rest upon Anpu's great shoulders. We can do our part to care for the dead as well, especially at this time of year where the veil is thin and we can do the most for those that exist beyond it. One of my favorite ways to care for the dead is to tend to my local cemeteries, especially the older parts that are often neglected. I like to show care and reverence to these final resting places because I believe the remembrance and honor of the dead may empower them on the continuation of their journeys. Maybe you believe that and maybe you think there are better ways to care for the dead, but the important takeaway here is that death is not an acceptable reason for abandoning our loved ones. Even if... All you have time for is to remember them with a smile, to tell a story about their life, to utter out between tears how dearly you love them. That is still care. And not only is it care, it's an honor to Anpu and his mission. Let us remember, the gods don't owe us anything. Anpu is not obligated in any way to take on our dead and show them kindness in what is arguably the most terrifying and confusing part of their journeys. But he takes on that burden anyway, out of love for us, finite, imperfect people that bumblefuck our way throughout life. If you appreciate that burden that Anpu has taken on and the love he has for us, you should know that the best way to show appreciation is to take on a similar burden that you're not obligated to out of nothing but love. However you decide to show care, the important thing is that you put in any effort you can. And as today is Sawin, I will give you a starting point to honoring the dead with the following prayer called Hallows Blessings for the Ancestors. To those whose feet are stilled and those who laugh with us no more, to you we say, Our love was with you always and goes with you now to that place where you rest and take delight may your feet walk along the coffin paths to that place where all is fresh and green where lovers friends and ancestors wait with open arms to greet you go in peace and with our blessings or remain a while this eve with us the living and life and hearth and live be rested among your own this eve this one night this Sawin, with countless turns of the wheel we miss you Be near us this eve, we pray ever for you, and we will meet again, once more, when the wheel turns for us. Pray, be there to greet us in that place. We will walk the coffin paths together, and bide a while with kin and hearth until that time be near us. Our kinsmen, our guardians, our ancestors, our beloved dead, I honor you. Go in peace today. Enjoy this time with your lost loved ones. Embrace your tears and laughter and smiles and all that comes with grief, but also feel joy that your lost loved ones had such a profound influence on you. Feel joy that you know them and trust that the separation is only temporary. I also encourage you to leave out offerings for these spirits as they continue on their journeys. Personally, I will be making soul cakes. And please remember that I do have my resources and prayers linked in the show notes for anyone that would like to learn more about working with Anpu. You can always find me on my Facebook and Twitter at Pagan Preaching, or send me an email at ethne.an at yahoo.com. Be sure to reach out for the invite to our Discord server if you would like to interact with me and other listeners that are kind, funny, and just genuinely insightful pagans. I'm happy to chat with each of you, and I hope to receive more requests soon so I can continue to make the content that you want to consume. If you would like to support me and the show, you can always purchase a tarot reading from my Facebook page, Ethne Aeon Tarot, or leave a donation on Venmo at ethne-aeon. Have a great, great Halloween or Samhain. We're now entering the dark year and all the opportunities that come with it, so I hope you're ready. Take care, and I look forward to talking with you next time.